all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. This is the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. I am a pathologist, and I am here with my fantastic friend and co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens, who is an OBGYN with expertise in maternal fetal medicine. That's the mama and the baby. And uh, (laughs) it's so good to be together in the studio. Sometimes life gets busy and we don't quite get to coordinate together to to be here together and it's great to see you so good to be here good to good to be here and to um have an opportunity to engage once again with our listening audience we missed y'all yeah and our special guests today are jerusha stevens and bryn graham from sprouted heart acupuncture which is a fantastic uh facility here close to the studio right down lakeland in flowood mississippi And we are so glad to be here to talk about complementary medicine, which is what Jerusha always calls it, not alternative. It's not instead. Um, And we have two medical doctors and two practitioners of Eastern medicine. So it's really great to have us all here together talking about how we can work together to best take care of our patients. A global approach. Oh, my. East meets west. Indeed. And oddly, I know you can't see us, but in the studio, we are sort of segregated to the east and the west. (laughs) Sort of strange. The eastern medicine folks are over there and then the western folks are over here. We're on the western. Although we're on the east. We're on the east. Yeah. Well, in solidarity. We have located ourselves eastern in our Western mm-hmm. roots. It happens. So how are you guys? Jerusha, great to see you again. Uh, Jerusha's been on our show multiple times. I have. I always enjoy coming. It's a in. fan favorite. Yes. <laughs> definitely a regular on the show. And please introduce your colleague to us. Yes, absolutely. This is Bren Graham. She's a licensed acupuncturist that's been working at Sprouted Heart for close to four years now. That's awesome. So why don't we start the show by talking about what is a licensed acupuncturist? So I think sometimes people think, well, this is sort of a will, maybe a willy-nilly thing. It's not, you know, medicine, you know, from the more traditional sense. But there is a lot of training and sure. education that goes into what, what you all do. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. So, um, you know, becoming an acupuncturist is a master's of science. So it's... Um, you know, a four-year program typically, uh, and 
you learn everything from the philosophy of the medicine to point location. And then as you go through the schooling, you start working hands-on in the student clinic. So it's kind of like a residency, if you will. And um, you have to have seen so many patients or actually given so many treatments before you are graduate and you are supervised in that student clinic. So um, you're learning uh, in tandem with actually treating as well. So it's a great work environment. It's a great learning environment. And um, then, you know, you can further your studies after Master's of Science. Uh, Bren can tell you more about that. She has her doctorate Okay, Dr. Yeah. Graham, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, after 13 years of practice, I went back to school, got my postgraduate doctoral degree. Oh, fantastic. In acupuncture and oriental medicine. So what that adds on is uh, the ability to teach and do research, but also do or see more complicated, complex issues with patients. So where I went to school, which was the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, they um, their focus there was women's health and aging patients. So we got a lot more exposure to more advanced um, knowledge base of issues with women's health and then chronic conditions, you know, like liver disease, um, cancer, orthopedic conditions. Uh, a lot of just disease process was disease processes with aging patients. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. So, so together like we see a lot of it that. It seems like that would yeah. be a really a good compliment. Well, mm-hmm. it seems like it would be a really good compliment um, with in Sprouted Heart. I mean, considering, you know, for those of you who are who have been listening to us for a while and, and remember Jerusha, like that's one of the areas of uh, one of her niche areas of interest and expertise as it pertains to infertility and fertility treatments and in utilization of acupuncture to that end, I think having someone else who also has had specific training and focus on like helping women and women's health issues um, is really great. And I was just say from the vantage point of a person who has a practice in obstetrics and gynecology, um, they, we struggle a lot of times with, um, with our patient complaints and um, while we have an incredible, we are we have this incredible honoring gift of of establishing these wonderful relationships with patients. There is nothing more disheartening to an OBGYN than to have a, a patient who comes with a complaint, and and for that person to have that complaint persist despite all of these different things that you tried. And I know that there are people who are out in our listening audience, both men and women, who have sought medical attention. Um, through traditional pathways or, you know, in physician's offices or whatever, and and have still, you know, either A, not had had success or resolution um, of their of their issues or who've who felt like, yeah, at, they couldn't find out what was wrong with me or they couldn't tell me what was wrong or they tried everything. I, we've heard this so many times. They tried everything and nothing works. I still have the same problem. And so I think um, that's why I'm so glad whenever Jerusha comes on the show because it just reminds us to like always think about um, those alternatives or compliments to what we have because there are limitations to our science and we can't fix everyone and it truly takes us all I think to be able to provide people with the with the relief that they need and they deserve well also um, 
from the perspective of Bren coming on board, she's very generous with her information. And one of the things that she loves to say is bridge the gap. So, you you know, between Eastern and Western medicine, it is important to be able to uh, speak with other healthcare providers and actually, you know, explain how acupuncture works and how it can help this patient in particular. There are a lot of um, pain scenarios that come along with um, OBGYN, and acupuncture works really well for things like dysmenorrhea or painful periods, irregular periods. And so um, we always want to work with Western medicine in order to bridge the gap. I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing to be alive now as an acupuncturist while we have Western medicine because acupuncture and Chinese medicine is rarely great for emergency scenarios. And so what we need to do is be able to say, okay, well, acupuncture is great at wellness and longevity Mm -hmm. and quality of life. Um, Because I don't think there is a code for wellness. (laughs) (laughs) For for charging in the hospital. Yes. But you're hitting it right there, wellness, right? I think we people don't want or often underscore the importance uh, or underweight the importance of wellness and really investing in your everyday maintenance of how you feel. And you shouldn't have to feel pain or discomfort if you don't have to. And so many people live with these chronic conditions and they just feel like there's nothing else they can do when there are actually things they can do that are non-invasive um, that you know that could perhaps augment what they're currently doing with their physicians. Yes, it, it can definitely take a village to yeah. help someone get better. But mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it many times. So, uh, you know, our capacity to heal is something that we don't really think deeply about. But if you think about a triple bypass surgery where, you know, they open the chest cavity and fix everything and then put you back together and then you walk a few days later, um, you know, we can get better from low back pain or carpal tunnel syndrome. Sometimes it's more difficult, challenging than others. But, you know, there is a therapy out there. It just might take three to make someone well. And it takes work and dedication sometimes, too. So people expect to just wake up better, but you have to help your body get to that point. Yeah, I usually tell people if it's one of those situations where if you've struggled with something for a long time, um, while it may be difficult to have patience in your process of actual healing, that it may actually take time for you to correct whatever it is that is wrong. It may not be something that's instantaneous. And while we all love the big win where immediately you do that one thing and a person is instantly better, the truth is that for the majority of people, the the concept of, of healing is not instantaneous. Our bodies don't typically heal themselves instantly, but it is a process, which is why I think the pursuit of wellness to that end should also be a process. It can't be an instantaneous thing, although I'm sure we all would like to say, well, I am I am going to embody wellness the magic and pill. start <laughs> tomorrow. And tomorrow I will instantly be the epitome of health and wellness. <laughs> right. um, yeah, probably not going to happen. Some not days are better than others. Yeah. But <laughs> it is, it's a process. It's a process and a journey. And um, but the other piece is that it's it's worthwhile. And so recognizing the importance of continuing in the pursuit to be your, the best version of yourself that you can be to feel um, as well and as healthy as you possibly can. I think sometimes that the feeling um, 
in most instances, sometimes the feeling actually trumps, you know, all else. It's like we want to make sure that not only are you progressing and getting well, but that you also feel better. You know, it doesn't do any good if you still feel lousy and everything else on the inside is good, then there's still some work to be done. Absolutely. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today with my favorite co-host on the planet, Dr. Michelle Owens. (laughs) And we are talking with our two experts about acupuncture. We have two licensed acupuncturists, Jerusha Stevens and Bryn Graham from Sprouted Heart Acupuncture in Flowood, Mississippi. We're going to go straight to the phone lines, and we're going to talk to Bobby, who's calling us from Pontotoc County. Bobby, are you there? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, uh, that thing kept cutting on and off and got me confused. Uh, <laughs> Sorry that, about that. Uh, that, uh, 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 what I was going to ask you, I don't know if acupuncture will do this any good or not, but what I'm trying to find out is uh, every time I eat something, I go to sleep after I eat it. What's causing that? That sounds like Thanksgiving Day. I don't know. <laughs> and that would happen to everybody? I know, right? Well, uh, let me ask you, Bobby, do you sleep well at night? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm bad about staying awake at night and sleeping in daytime. Mm, that might be one of the reasons why you're falling asleep during the day. So how about insomnia? Diet? Is insomnia something that acupuncture can help? Certainly, especially if it's stress-induced. So most insomnia is stress-induced for sure and so um, acupuncture can have a regulating effect on the central nervous system and help kind of turn the volume of life down so that the body can relax the mind can relax but sometimes it can be very stubborn and so people really struggle and sleep deprivation can be dangerous and so um, people recognize that because they really get I mean, for lack of a better word, strung out on being sleep deprived and they don't function as well. They don't feel as well. And so um, it is definitely something that acupuncture and herbal medicine can help as well. It just depends on what kind of insomnia is. And acupuncture, as we even ask, do you have more trouble going to sleep or staying asleep? And are you having uh, waking frequently at specific times? All of that helps to drive our treatment strategy and know what points to choose. Also, whatever else is going on with the patient, because it's usually more than just insomnia. So, Bobby, have you been diagnosed with a sleep disorder? No, I haven't been. uh, uh, What what gets me is, now, sometimes I'll sleep at night, but... If I ever sleep, I don't sleep. I'm 80 years old. If I ever sleep, I don't never sleep more than about four or five hours at the time. But then when I eat in daytime, if I haven't got some work to do, if I got some work to do and get up and go to work, I won't go to sleep. But if I just sitting there watching TV like I'm watching y'all's program on TV, I'll get uh, I'll just go to sleep. And I don't know what makes me. I'll sleep about maybe 15 or 20 minutes uh-huh. before I wake up. Take a little nap. Well, that's not uncommon for people who are deprived of sleep. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Kind of when you're still, you find yourself having excessive daytime sleepiness. So, But it can be dangerous for people when they're driving and things like that. We just had a sleep show a couple yeah. weeks ago, Bobby. But well, um, it might not be a bad idea for you to talk. You know, Have you ever mentioned this to your doctor? Uh, no, because they're having to deal with my blood pressure right now. <laughs> i got to get cataract surgery. And oh, was, goodness. They won't operate on my eyes until I get my blood pressure down. But well, uh, something else I want to know there real quick. Uh, I noticed over at Jackson Zoo, every time the the animals eat over there, they take a nap. And they told that, <laughs> the, they told that on the uh, 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 
acres over there. They said, all animals will be back out after a while. Said, That's right. Have time to eat. And I said, well, maybe I'm an animal or something. <laughs> you are. They you might mean, have that same thing. Are. Well, you know, after you eat, the blood goes to your stomach and your intestines to bring all those nutrients in, and that can make you a little bit sleepy. Sometimes some of the things that you eat can also contribute to mm-hmm. um, a, a feeling of... You eat that, that big turkey sandwich? Or, that re- or when you're really... When you get good and full... Um, you know, it can definitely kind of contribute to a little bit of. Well, when, you ever heard of a siesta? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> said, I'm I a big fan in, of when that. When I was in Mexico, ever, them people over every time they eat at uh, 12 o'clock, they don't take a siesta. And I said, well, maybe we're supposed to do that. But Maybe so. Well, Bobby, you're 80 years old, and if you want to take a siesta after your lunch, then I say you go on and do it. And best of luck to you in your cataract surgery and handling your your blood pressure. And I bet that if you were able to get a little bit better sleep at night, that you wouldn't feel so sleepy during the day when you sat still. All right. Thank you all a lot for your help. Thanks for your call. So, Bobby. So, Bobby's raised another point. So, so what kinds of of ailments or conditions can be treated by acupuncture? Many, many things. <laughs> Bobby said he's got high blood pressure. I'm like, you got an acupuncture needle for high blood pressure? Do y'all, do yeah. you have therapies that can help? I mean, because there are some people who require multiple medications Absolutely. or who've had a lot of difficulty. I just, I think it's good for people to know kind of what kinds of things acupuncture. Because I think some people think, oh, well, if you're an athlete or if you have um, muscle problems, then people might think, well, that's what you go to an acupuncturist for. If I got a a crick in my neck or something like that, I go to the acupuncturist to fix that. But you guys actually have the ability to address a wide variety of, of medical conditions. Yeah, well, acupuncture affects the nervous system. So if you have things, especially if they're stress-related, so things like high blood pressure, you know, since you mentioned that, you know, I, we would never suggest that someone not do blood pressure medications, but you're a, or we're better able to help people reduce their medications by giving them regular acupuncture treatments because it affects the nervous system that way. It gets you out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. It just calms the nervous system down. So anything related to that will also be affected. So insomnia... Um, GI issues, you know, any digestive problems that tend to be worse with stress. Um, anything that's worse with stress, if you're getting regular acupuncture, it will most likely improve. So you said rest and digest, yeah. just like Bobby. I just I had yeah. that moment where I was like, rest and digest, and that is right. exactly what Bobby was just Keep on doing. Mm-hmm. Have you had acupuncture in the past, and did it help? Are you curious about acupuncture perhaps being a good complement to? something that you're being treated for otherwise. Do you hurt somewhere? I have to say, I'll tell you right now, uh, Jerusha has given me acupuncture in the past for things like plantar fasciitis. I had some back pain. And for me, it works. You know, and, and you've said before, like, I'm a good person to have acupuncture. So are there some people that perhaps are more uh, receptive? <laughs> Dr. Owens is not receptive because it involves a needle, but that are more. Uh, I am a needle helps, weenie. Everybody knows that. That it helps more than, uh, <laughs> than other people. Or? Well, I, I can't really look at you and tell if you're going to respond to mm-hmm. acupuncture, but acupuncture is not, you know, a panacea. It's not going to fix absolutely everything. You know, we're looking at. Uh, 
percentages of improvement a lot of times whenever it comes to pain. And so we may not be able to eliminate someone's low back pain, but if we can reduce it and they have better function, then certainly that is something that, you know, we would want to uh, help that patient. So realistic expectations are important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But one, you know, one thing that many people ask us when they come in is they say, do you have to believe in this uh, in order for uh, it to work? Like it's voodoo or something. Yeah. Yeah. That is not... That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think that would be a a reasonable Mm -hmm. question to, I mean, to ask for anything, because we all know about the placebo effect, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you get that that prescription, and you believe that that prescription is going to work or what have you. And so um, I think that there is something to be said for the power of you know, positive thinking. Well, And so while you don't necessarily have to, quote, believe, per se, I think being open to the idea that this could actually be helpful right um might be um might help you find yourself in a more positive because i think that in in turn just going to what you said it reduces anxiety right like mm-hmm. so if if i am open to hey whatever it is that i'm struggling with might actually be made better through this process and so then you all of a sudden can kind of relax a little bit more and be open I think that may help but the concept of believing I think that's an interesting question that someone would pose to you because I don't think anybody's ever said do I have to believe in this pill like when they ask for the pill like inherent in the request is the belief that the pill is going to make it better Um, when sometimes the pill is not even the thing that's needed Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. well I mean the placebo effect, if we could think ourselves well, wouldn't that be the most beautiful medicine? Indeed. <laughs> and so, you know, if placebo effect is uh, something that we use to study things like acupuncture, then I think it's important to also note that animals don't typically, um, they aren't persuaded by um, you know, the thought of placebo. Mm-hmm. And so, Animal acupuncture is actually really interesting because you have a lot of athletes, racehorses and things like that. And uh, although they might like being petted, receiving acupuncture is not something that they have a frame of reference for. Mm. But they go out on the track and they get better. And so, you know, I I do feel like there is something more to acupuncture than than just the placebo because we – we see the scientific evidence that that proves that. But I do think that what you're saying is, you know, I'm not going to give acupuncture to anyone against their will. (laughs) I've had plenty of couples where the wife is like, my husband has to come and see you. And I'm like, only if your husband wants to, you know, I am not going to put needles (laughs) in someone who is begrudging my existence. And so, you know, I think that it's important for people to walk through the doors with an open mind but honestly, um, you know, we are super busy. Yeah. And so um, there are people that will never cross our threshold because they have the needle phobia or what have you. And, and that's okay because this works really well for a great percentage of the population. It's not going to work for everybody. And not, it's not going to fit into everybody's philosophy. And that's okay. We're going to go to the phone lines and talk to Melissa, who's calling us from Magnolia. What a beautiful name town. Hey, Melissa. Hi. Uh, will acupuncture help with low phosphate levels and also for low iron levels? So can acupuncture actually help blood levels of certain um, things like that? I mean, is that something that you've ever seen? Um, I think that that would be more um, with herbal medicine. Mm. 
something more internal. There are points that are used to tonify blood, Mm -hmm. um, but you have to have the resources to do that. And so from a nutritional perspective, in order to, you know, increase your blood, you need to have things that your body can use to create that. And so um, I think that what I could answer, how I could answer that would be that Chinese medicine and what I do, that's kind of an umbrella term for acupuncture, herbal medicine, etc. It might need more than just the needles themselves. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Brown? I would agree. And so I think the other part is, um, so sometimes we have changes in our blood chemistry related to certain medical conditions or problems. Mm -hmm. And perhaps maybe if you have, I don't know, I'm just, I'm making up stuff here, guys. So Owens does not do acupuncture, um, so I don't know. But like, say, for example, if there was a therapy that would improve or optimize thyroid function, and say, for example, you had some aberration based on thyroid levels or whatever, then it may be that you could see changes in your blood chemistry related to uh, and a, to addressing the underlying cause. So I think there are lots of different reasons why a person might have abnormal blood chemistries or levels in their blood for a variety of different reasons. And if it speaks to maybe acupuncture may help by treating the specific underlying condition as opposed to specifically influencing that one particular complementary yeah, medicine. There you go. One particular yeah, for thing. example, sometimes people have. Um, issues with their digestion where it's not optimal and they're not taking up nutrients as they should. So just correcting their digestion will help sometimes with things like that. Not necessarily iron and phosphate. Specifically, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, other deficits in their blood chemistry could be affected that way. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Melissa. We'll stay on the phone lines and talk to Kate, who's calling us from Raleigh. Hey, Kate. Raleigh. Raleigh, hey. Yes, yes, hi. Um, I was wondering if uh, acupuncture was contraindicated for people on warfarin. Oh, that's a great question. So if you take blood thinners, what, you know, and some people just take, uh, you know, like aspirin every day or, you know, lots of ibuprofen. And some people are on things like warfarin that are a little more um, potent. So how do you approach a patient like that? So we often have patients who are on blood thinners, usually aspirin, but sometimes warfarin. So we're, we just, in general, we still see them. We still do acupuncture on them in general. We'll limit the number of needles, but usually when we take the needles out, we just hold pressure for longer mm-hmm. with the cotton ball afterwards to make sure there's no bleeding. But if we see there's someone, you know, once we see them and we see they bleed a lot, we'll really limit the number of needles we do. Or if they really are having a severe bleeding issue we'll, we won't see them anymore but that is so rare i've never had that happen. does it put you out of consideration for say something like cupping because in cupping you can get bruising right yes and so that would be something where you might say no this might not be the therapy for you because absolutely yeah yeah absolutely um that would be um absolutely true i also would forewarn a patient on blood thinners that they are more likely to bruise. And so that is not a terrible deal. It's just, and those patients are typically very accustomed to bruising easily, but that's not a contraindication. It is certainly something that we would consider, but it wouldn't keep you from getting acupuncture, but cupping. Yes. I wouldn't do cupping on someone on warfarin. 
So that, that's a, this is a good segue to talk about kind of the, the actual procedure. So the needle is not going very deep in. It's not like there's a risk of, you know, this huge bleed, right? Uh, exactly. Where does the needle sit, like when you insert, when you advance the needle? It's highly dependent on several factors, one of which is um, the location or area to be treated, uh, the size of the individual, and um, what type of needle you're using. And so, for instance, I'm treating sciatica on a man who is 200 pounds and is six feet tall. He is going to get a bigger needle than you are, Allie, because... He's twice your size. I'm seven feet tall. <laughs> and so and it's highly dependent. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going into the hip, into the into the deep glutes, I'm going to need a longer needle that mm-hmm. is, uh, has a thicker gauge because that needle might get flimsy. And so, um, you know, it. There are no internal organs under there, and so you have more ability to advance the needle. However, on the upper back, on a thin person, you are only going to go very shallowly so that you don't create uh, pneumothorax. Excellent. All right, Kate, so that you are, if you're on warfarin, you can still get acupuncture. (laughs) Tee it up. <laughs> you bet. Bye-bye. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and our two very special guests, Jerusha Stevens and Dr. Bryn Graham from Sprouted Heart Acupuncture. They are licensed acupuncturists serving our area here in Jackson, Mississippi. So that's a great thing. And I remember when you first started coming on the show, Jerusha, uh, things were not, you've spent a lot of time doing advocacy for your profession here in Mississippi. This is true out of complete necessity. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really, it's great that this is able to be offered to people uh, a lot more freely than it used to be. It used to be, I remember you needed like a doctor's, like a prescription almost, right? like a referral from a physician. Yeah. So initially when we got our legislation passed um, in 2009, it did require that you had to have a written referral from a physician before you could receive acupuncture. And so, um, you know, it was a place to start. It was difficult. We made it work. And um, over time, we were able to remove that physician's referral in 2017. And so now um, you have to have seen a physician before you have acupuncture, um, but it is not something that has to be explicitly written and delivered from the doctor's office like it used to be. So if someone's interested in giving it a try, that maybe they hadn't considered it in the past or have never had it, what do they do? Um, well, they can you know, certainly call the office and ask any questions, but typically uh, whenever you come in, you would sign informed consent that it's not a replacement for Western medicine, but also you would sign something that's special to Mississippi that attests to you having seen a physician in the last six months for whatever condition it is you are receiving acupuncture for. Okay. So just to ensure that, you know, they have the opportunity to be evaluated by a Western provider. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know uh, you mentioned in, we were taught, of course, the Women's Health Show. Of course, we we, we also care very deeply for our, our male friends. But we were talking about things that were more specific to women, uh, including 
pain, pelvic pain and things like that. This is something that Dr. Owens was talking about um, and that is it could be a valuable complement. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know that you have some expertise in that area as well. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of women have pelvic pain and that is a, a very broad Mm-hmm. Um, area. So it could be anything from painful periods to endometriosis, but also women have issues um, such as vulvodynia and um, just pelvic floor dysfunction. And it's, you know, without going into a lot of detail about it, it's things that they would see a pelvic floor physical therapist for. Mm-hmm. So you know, I see both men and women for this issue. So sometimes it's, you know, pain with sitting. Sometimes it's um, constipation or inability or painful bowel movements or inability to have bowel movements, painful hips, just things that changed after they had children, after a sports injury, after surgery, any abdominal surgery or hip surgery. Sometimes these things just creep up on women and men, but especially for women. So I do see a lot of women for it, and oftentimes they have been to multiple physicians and specialists for it. Um, But the nature of chronic pelvic pain is such that it crosses body systems, so sometimes they'll have um, like interstitial cystitis, for example, or Mm -hmm. chronic bladder issues. But then they'll also have irritable bowel syndrome or digestive issues. And then they'll have um, pain with sex, for example. There's just this mishmash of things. And unless they go to a physician who's familiar with chronic pelvic pain presentations, they don't get diagnosed properly and they don't Mm -hmm. get the treatment they need. So it's important to rule out some things that could be quite dangerous, you know, cancers and other sorts of things. Um, And Dr. Owens, I know that you see quite quite a few patients with these issues. Yeah, and you know, we... um the concept of pelvic pain is pretty pretty broad, as was mentioned before. But like the concept of like the area surrounding like the the vaginal opening and having discomfort or pain there, whether it's pain with intercourse, pain with penetration, pain related to sex. I'm sure you guys hear as as a part of the complaints of pelvic pain is often a concomitant issue with sexual function. I say sexual function because it's not really people say sexual dysfunction i think sometimes that we just need to think about like how do we try to optimize because your body still works it's not that it's but it's just how can we like optimize the functioning that you have and make it to a point where it's an enjoyable experience for people and so um I, i laughed because because Dr. Brynn has not been like here in the studio, we can say those things on the radio. It's okay. okay. She was very, she was like, with sexual intercourse. And I was like, oh, you're way in the green. No worries. Just listen a few weeks. No, look. Hang out with us a little while. We, we, we like lay it all out there. Um, so yeah. Um, but I think it's, that usually goes along with it. And, and I would say that for people who are experiencing pelvic pain, that they may not consider this. Um, and so considering that, so it's great that, A, that you don't need a physician to say that, uh, like you don't need a medical doctor to say, hey, you know, you need this in order to be evaluated or potentially treated. But I think it's really important because for our patients who have chronic pelvic pain, they they are really unhappy people. And, they does, and their quality of life for many of these women 
is really poor. And they don't feel like they have lots of options for treatment. Um, and and even with there being plenty of OBGYNs out there, very difficult courses of treatment and not a lot of spaces where, you know, there are there are options and where you can continue to work on getting improvement so that they feel whole again. I mean, it, it is such a big problem. Um, and we've talked about having physical therapists that, you know, also participate or people who specialize in pelvic floor disorders. And I think it's just really important for people to know that there are lots of different options that are out there that can all kind of help, especially for folks who have muscle spasms and vaginal spasms and those kinds of things like these other uh, opportunities that are available because that is, it's a real problem and people don't even feel like they're safe spaces where they can talk about it. Like mm-hmm. you can't even tell people what's wrong or they innately associate it with themselves as something that can't be fixed. Like they just mm-hmm. have to accept whatever it is that they're dealing with and just say, well, you know, it might not have always been this way or maybe in some instances it has. And because it's never been fixed to their satisfaction that all of a sudden they resign themselves to a situation where it can be fixed when in actuality there are definitely more often than not, we find ways to give people relief. Including acupuncture. Indeed. We're going to go to the phone lines and talk to Sue, who's calling us from Beaumont. Hey, Sue. Okay, I'd like to make a comment because I don't understand acupuncture, and I've always thought it was a bunch of hoo-ha that you could stick needles into people and and make them feel better, and I I think it's some kind of mojo thing. If somebody thinks it's going to make them feel better, they'll feel better because I don't understand how sticking a needle into into someone is going to help anything. You know, just... I mean, and, and it's your, I mean, how does exactly does that work? I don't understand that. And you have to believe it's going to work, and it'll work. You know what I mean? And also, do you change needles? How, how do you sterilize needles in between patients or use different needles for everyone or what? So Sue is a retired nurse, so she does yeah, have a medical no, yeah. background, mm-hmm. so she knows about the importance of clean. I'm sure you've stuck a few needles in some people in your day, huh, Sue? Lots of them, yeah. <laughs> so here's your opportunity, ladies. How does it work? How Tell does it work? Us, uh, look, let us know. We're going behind the magic curtain, and we're going to learn right. how the magic happens. Okay. <laughs> no magic. It is um, accessing the central nervous system via an acupuncture needle. And so, you know, we have nerve impulses that flow through our nerve pathways, and that, you know, sends messages back to your brain and then there's an interface with your endocrine system and what happens there. So essentially, whenever we are inserting a needle into the body, your nervous system picks up on it because it's very sensitive. I mean, just think about the adrenaline rush you get when the car is about to, you know, come into your lane. You know, that is a visual impulse that is giving your brain information and then suddenly you're flooded with adrenaline. So we do not need strong stimulus in order for our nervous system to react and respond. And so it's not just simply sticking a needle in. There are specific areas where acupuncture points are and they are typically where nerves bundle. And so they are working along the whole route of the nerve a lot of times. And so we're really paying a lot of attention to dermatomes. I'm sure as a nurse, you remember dermatomes. And so um, we are also trying to help influence blood flow. And so when we penetrate the skin, I like to say it's like a, a micro trauma. 
a little tiny injury that is going to stimulate blood flow because they your body recognizes that there is something foreign there and so it's going to send blood flow to the area to try and um, prevent any type of infection or something like that and so that's a kind of a two-prong way of how acupuncture works and we definitely use disposable needles no autoclaving of our needles so they're disposable. Okay, I, I still don't, I still don't quote believe in it. But I, I, I thank y'all for as interesting, interesting to listen to. I thank you. Well, thank you for speaking for all the skeptics out there. That's there right. are plenty of Absolutely. them, and it's it's really okay because it's for some people and it's not for others. Yeah, but just to say too, there is a lot of evidence based medicine around acupuncture. There's multiple. Hundreds of studies in peer-reviewed journals, medical journals about acupuncture. And, you know, they're still trying to figure out the exact mechanisms of how it works. But It works because people believe it's going to work. Well, that's... So, so I think what... Open I think, for debate. There. Yeah. I, 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 well, so, and I, and I believe... So I don't, so I don't know that... I think that, that there's probably a shred of truth like there's a like I feel like the truth always somewhere in the middle right um so I believe that for some people that may be true it's gonna work because they believe that it works but there are some people for whom the evidence shows that it works and it works by more than just what you would expect by chance that's the whole concept of like having good evidence to support why we would do something and so while that may be true and I think the evidence when and so you got to think about this when uh, Dr. Graham talks about the the importance of the evidence and when you are determining what medical evidence is out there to support something, you have to realize that that means that the evidence has shown that the benefits exceed that than what would have been expected by chance. So it's not just willing yourself to feel better because somebody's deciding that they're going to do this, but it's actually that this is, has been shown to work above and beyond that. So, again, we talked earlier about the, the placebo effect and how that can kind of work its way into not just acupuncture, though. That's the whole point. It's not just acupuncture. Right. We see placebo effect, and it's been well-documented in all areas of medical interventions. There are plenty of people who don't believe in Western medicine. Indeed. Right? So, I mean, 100%. and so so for that, I feel like, you know, yeah, the, there are going to be those individuals who, um, for whom that mind over matter is going to have a significant impact. But there is data to support that beyond, above and beyond those individuals, that there's still benefit in those folks beyond that, which would be expected by chance or just somebody to just put in their mind to it and making it happen. Um, and so, but I do think again, Sue is Sue is a a, a good supporter and a, a faithful listener to our show, and um, I think always calls in and, and gives us um, things to think about. But I That's think, right. like you said, there are plenty of people who are skeptical, and there are some folks who for whom this is not going to be the thing for them for whatever reason. But for those individuals who are continuing to struggle, or for those folks who just have a new onset of something and they want to consider this as an option, it's a valid option, a safe option. Um, and we are fortunate to have two great experts here within our local area to be able to provide that service for you. Thank you, ladies. Yes, we're happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having us again. So what are some other more common issues that you all treat? 
I know, Jerusha, that you do a lot of work with fertility. I do. I do. So um, this is actually my 20th year of practice. Congratulations. Yes. And so um, I suspect that since about 2010, I have um, focused my practice more on infertility. I like to say subfertility. There you go. And um, it's... A great joy, actually, these days. I am working at a place called Paradigm Beyond Infertility. And Yay, those are our people, too. We have, right. We've had our Paradigm folks over with us as well, Dr. Hines and his crew. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm working at Paradigm Beyond Infertility, providing acupuncture to fertility patients that are going through procedures to try and conceive. And um, it's, it's something that I love. I love the endocrinology. I love the journey. And um, I find it can be very helpful for a lot of patients that are going through the, the stress of um, infertility treatments and it's shrouded in uh, shame and when someone comes to see me they are able to to talk about how that is affecting them as well as you know have some some time and space to be able to process what they're going through it's a very relaxing environment in fact your place is nice because there's a yoga you know tara yoga mm-hmm. which tara has been yeah. on our show many times tara blumenthal uh, and there's like a fountain and paradigms right close by this is yes. like an area of wellness right Indeed. here yeah, yep. for in our all, area, for all the things that might ail or trouble you. Well, it's in the uh, the medical mile of <laughs> Flowood. Is that what, is that a thing? That's what I'm calling it. Oh, I like it, the medical mile <laughs> of Flowood. Not to be confused with the Miracle Mile in Chicago, but, or the uh, Medical Mall in Jackson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and when you visit this medical mile. As, as as Sue mentioned, uh, it, everything is very sterile, right? The needles are not yes. reusable, I believe. No, no, no. Not at all. The modern acupuncture only has disposable needles. Well, it's kind of like with us. It, you wouldn't expect somebody to give you a flu shot and then turn around and use the same. You wouldn't <laughs> use the same syringe to give a person that. I mean, you just toss it and get a new one. It's, it's the, the same concept. I won't even take a needle out and then reinsert it in the same person. You're not right. supposed to even do that. So, yes, we we are taught clean needle technique. That is one of our national tests that we must pass before we become licensed individuals. So you guys heard it. It's safe. It can be very effective. And it's a good complement to Western medicine. So check out these wonderful ladies, Jerusha Stevens and Bryn Graham at Sprouted Heart Acupuncture in Flowood, Mississippi. And we're so glad you guys joined us today on the show. And it was so good to be with you, Dr. Owens. I know, likewise. (laughs) Our producer today is Jay White, our call screener, Charles Arnold. For everyone here at MPB, this is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We'll see you next week. Y'all be safe, be kind. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.